All right. Good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, I'm grateful a lot of my family, uh, extended relatives, got to be here this morning. They live in the area, and so uh, they're here cheering me on. So if you think at the end, wow, it was terrible, and I'm going to totally deal with that guy, I do have a posse with me who's going to defend me. Actually, they would probably be joining you. But uh, uh, I don't know about you, but when I first saw that announcement in the first service about the children's thing, and I saw the ultimate bar challenge, did you not get a little nervous like I got a little nervous? Okay, I was just making sure it wasn't me. I was like, can you say that in church? What is that exactly? Um, and they were like, oh, you hang there. I was like, oh, okay. I thought, what church are we attending? Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> but I'm grateful to be here with you this morning. Um, one of the things that's near and dear to our hearts, um, I was a church planner up in Cleveland, Ohio for a number of years, um, and we just recently moved back to here. Uh, but one of the things that our hearts were always for was for the kids and always finding out ways that we could get children's and youth ministries going. Uh, which you've ever, if you've ever been around starting something from nothing, it is extremely difficult to get a children's and youth ministry going. And here's why. A family walks in, and when you don't have any other kids, okay, they're sitting there thinking, whoa, what's going to happen? And if you're saying, oh, one day we'll have this or that, that's a hard sell, okay? That's a hard go to make. Um, but that's always been near dear to our hearts, and so as we would get some things going, well, a couple of months ago, I sat down with Kevin, and I was like, hey, you know, um, is there a way we could serve to help maybe get some children's ministry things going, whether it's a midweek thing or whatever? And he's like, yeah. He said, I'd really like to see that happen, and so we talked a little bit more about that, and then I just kind of let it go and let him navigate whatever he wanted to do. Well, about three weeks ago, Laura Key, the children's ministry person here, calls us and says, can I take you and Sherry to lunch? Now, if you've been around church, do you realize what this means for you if a staff member asks you to lunch? They're not just there to talk. They're not just there to say, what'd you think about the game last night, man? You know, that's, that's not what's happening. You know you're going to be asked to do something. So let me give you a tip. When they say, oh, no, you pick, you go and Google search best steakhouse in Springfield. Okay, I, I'm just telling you a tip. Because you know you're going to get asked to do something. You might as well get a great meal out of this thing, all right? So we go, we sit down with her, and she's talking about some things she'd like to see in the children's ministry. And she goes, you know, you don't have to commit now. You can pray about it. You can take your time. And, you know, doing all the staff things they're supposed to say to you and I. And so she goes, you know, but if you would consider helping us get like a fourth and fifth grade ministry thing on Wednesday nights or something like that. And I was like, I see you've been talking to Kevin. And she goes, about what? And I'm sitting there thinking, where am I? Am I in the twilight zone? What are you talking about? About what? And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, I just talked to Kevin about this like six weeks ago. She goes, Kevin never said anything to me. And I was like, okay, now this is really strange, right? She goes, I was just praying about it. And your name, you know, came up in my mind and, and in my heart. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, it does Kevin have kind of like a Luke Skywalker thing where he can say, you will go ask Alex, and, you know, and, and he can kind of do that. But that really came in our hearts. And so over the next few weeks, you're going to start hearing about um, some things, some ministries we want to start with the fourth and fifth grade. We'll work down from there and, and keep going as we can continue to build off of it. But we've got a name for it. Uh, it's going to be called Fuse. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons why. Um, the byline of this is it's going to be lit, 
okay, because the kids we knew would love that. Um, see, see, don't you want to join already? All right, you're not even fourth and fifth grade and you want to come. Um, but for them, we want it to be fun, okay? We want it to be clean and safe, and we always want to connect them to Jesus, okay? That, that's, that's the overarching thing. But what I also know is those fourth and fifth grade years are critical. If you've ever had a fourth and fifth grader or you have one now, you know they suddenly have realized they have veto power in your home. They didn't when they were younger. They certainly do now. And so what we're trying to do is connect them to Jesus, but also help connect them that as they get a year or two more, they're going to be in the youth group. And if you don't start connecting them in some way now, you have a tough time once they reach 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. It's almost impossible. Not impossible, but it's kind of there. So as you hear about it, that's, we're the ones trying to help get this going. If you're interested in helping us or you just have questions about it, certainly let me know. Uh, but we want to see something like that for the kids. We think it's going to be uh, a ton of fun. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 11. This month is about prayer, is what our church is uh, working through. And uh, as I prayed about what to talk about with prayer, uh, which is always a good idea, right? Um, As I prayed about that, I kept coming back to a portion of Scripture that's always been near and dear to my heart. And I thought, you know, it's weird. How come we've never heard many um, uh, topics, uh, many discussions, many sermons about this as it results as it relates to prayer, because it's one that so many of us have to deal with. It's near and dear to our hearts. And so we're going to talk this morning about how to pray a prodigal home, what that looks like in praying for a prodigal. Um, Now, I will tell you this, that when Kevin asked me to speak uh, a couple weeks ago, he sent me a text and he was like, now listen, if there's going to be barbs about the pastor... Because if you remember, I did. I went after him about his man cold, uh, that he couldn't make it because of his man cold. He goes, there's going to be barbs about the pastor. Those I have to see up front, plus you have to send me some 20s to make it happen. (laughs) And I responded back with, sometimes the Holy Spirit suddenly speaks through me on stage, and I don't know in advance what that's going to be. So I am not going to go after him, but what I will say to you is this. Pray for your pastor. Pray for his family. You know, they have unique needs. It's a different world, different lifestyle. And so pray for them when they're away like this, that they'll get rest and and time to just kind of get away and and recoup, okay? So definitely do that. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told in the story, a young man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. 
Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years... I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. You know, one of the big questions that we wrestle with as Christians is usually this. Why don't I pray more? Or why isn't my prayer life more effective? Why is it that I have some really good times and then I just get away from it? I just fall away from it. It's not intentional. You you don't wake up and say, you know, God, I'm just not. I, I just don't care. Most of the time, we just get away from it. And what I would say to you is the reason why we don't pray is is this. Our heart is not burdened for anything. When are your best prayers? When your heart hurts. When financial pressure comes on you. When a family member is told they have cancer, what happens? Man, you're ready to pray, right? But just as soon as things are pretty good... We fall away. And what I will tell you is this, and this is what I found. The only way that I'm going to pray is if I'm burdened about something. I would love to say, oh, no, it's in the great times that, man, I'm just enjoying being with God and praying. It's just not what happens for me. And I would say to you, it's probably not what happens for you. It's when something gets burdened. And here's what I will tell you. The key to a great prayer life is is this, is asking God this one question. Where do you hurt? You ever thought of God as having a hurt heart? He does. You know how we know? Because this guy named Jesus just told you. What's going on here? See, a lot of times what happens is when we read Scripture, we read Scripture through the, oh, that's a nice story. And maybe you get some application out about it uh, from it, but we kind of walk away and don't really live there and go there. And what I like to try to do is to go back and say, well, wait, what was going on with the listener? What was going on with Jesus? What was he trying to get across? How would this have come across to people? Because in America, there's certain things that would be said and certain things done that it just doesn't equate for us. We don't quite get it. And it's easy to just read this story and go, oh, look, they lived happily ever after. Well, did they? It never says that the older brother came inside. I don't know that they lived happily ever after. You notice how Jesus left that out? He had never say that the older brother came inside. I don't know that they had a happily ever after. Not after those comments. 
But you know something? When you look at this story, understand he's talking to a bunch of Jews running around there, right? And in that story, in verse 1, if you go back, as Jesus tells three parables here about lost things, and then he goes into this one about the prodigal son. It's the longest of the three stories. But in verse 1, it says this, and Jesus was around notorious sinners, and it made the Pharisees and religious leaders mad. They didn't like it. As a matter of fact, they said to his followers one time, how come your master eats with such scum? Oh, there's a lovely way to begin a conversation. We're going to be best friends after that, right? That's definitely Facebook friend material at that point. Yes, I would like to be friend with you to hear you revile what Jesus says. But in that moment, he's trying to explain to them the heart of the father and what goes on in his life and what goes on in God's heart is, is this, he hurts. He has complete joy within him, but he hurts when prodigals leave. So let me give it to you the way that when Jesus said it, the Jews would have heard it. In the very first part where the young man comes to the dad and says, I tell you what, give me my share of the estate. If you know anything about Jewish uh, history and what they have with their families, The young ones get a big bag of nothing. Spend it wisely, right? You get nothing. Who does it go to? It goes to the oldest. It goes to the oldest brother. And if the oldest brother wants to do something, then that's fine. There there is no, oh, hey, we're going to divide it up. Here's what else he's saying. Hey, dad, doesn't look like you're dying anytime soon. I wish you were dead. Give me my stuff. Now, I got news for you guys. In my house, that would not be a good comment for my sons to make to me. How would it go in your world? Would you be like, oh, hey, let me get out the checkbook. I'll write this. Oh, you're going to get something out all right, but it's not a checkbook. (laughs) How dare you say that to me, right? Aren't we all going to do that? Who do you think you are? Have you ever gotten money from a will before someone's gone? (laughs) You won't and you never will. You know what that young man is saying? Dad... I wish you were dead. And to the Jewish listeners of that day, they would have heard it and it would have hit them and they would have thought, that young man's about to be stoned. He's about to be killed for what he just did to the dad. But instead, he does something quite surprising. God the Father gives him stuff and sends him on his way. Says a few days later, he takes off and that's where he goes. And so as we pray for prodigals this morning, as we walk through some things this morning, I'm going to try to give you some things that come out of this parable that you can see this is what God does. It is not an automatic that, oh, a prodigal is just going to magically return if I do step one, two, and three. But what I am saying to you is it's your best shot. And it's what God models for us. And that first thing is is this. You got to let them go. You got to let them go. And it'll hurt like crazy. I've got friends of mine who have prodigals. And, it's, and it tears them apart. Every day they're crying. Every day their heart is hurt. Every single day. The father let him go. Send him on his way. And that's what he does for you and for me is, is he says, if that's the way you've got to learn, and that's the way you've got to learn, I want you home. You're always welcome, but I can't, I can't be for this. 
See, moms and dads or grandpa, grandmas, let me give you something that I discovered way late in my youth ministry years. I was a youth pastor for a while. I wish I'd discovered it much earlier. I don't know if God gave me this or I heard it somewhere. I can't remember hearing it somewhere. So if you've heard it for someone else, you can tell me who that is, and I will quote them from now on. But as I've given this question to people, no one's ever come to me and said, so-and-so said that. But this is what I realized one day in doing youth ministry. And some of you are going to know it's true just as soon as I say it. Kids get to a certain age in which they are not going to tell mom or dad what's really going on with them. Now, I realize there's probably a mom and dad within earshot of this right now who are thinking, not me. I'll always be my child's best friend. I got news for you. No, you won't. Did you never go to middle school? Did you skip high school? Are you serious? There's just certain things that a child looks at their parents and goes, I don't even know how to bring that up. And if I do, they're going to freak out. And I don't want the freak out. I don't want it. So you know what they do? They do the worst thing they can do is ask another middle schooler. (laughs) They go to a 10th grader. Do you realize the worst advice you've ever had in your life came from that time? Yeah, and we all look back and go, man, that was terrible advice days, but why did I listen to that? So here's what I would say to you. If you want to help set some boundaries in place for your son, your daughter, grandchild, whomever it may be, this is what you say to them. I realize you won't always be able to come to me about every single subject. You won't be able to come to me because there's a struggle. You're not quite sure what I would do, even though I've told you to come to me. I really want you to. But if you ever got to that point, can you tell me two or three adults that you would go to to help you make a wise decision? Now, parents, at that point, you can't use that list to call them to say, what did you all talk about? Because then you'll blow it with them. Here's the other point, parents. If you're not around other godly people and making sure that your kids are seeing other godly people in their life, it's your fault if they don't have two or three good names to put down on there. Because if they write down Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation, that's your fault. Now, probably every family has someone that you're like, "Mm, don't go to them for advice. They're kind of the fun and games department of the family, if you know what I mean, right? They look like, woo, they're having a great time. But what you know is, nah, it's not where you go for advice. Then you may have to have that awkward conversation to say, we love Cousin Eddie. (laughs) But Cousin Eddie's probably not where we're going to get our advice from, Okay. But if you're not setting people up around them that they have an outlet to go to, it's your fault because they need someone else to be able to say, I don't know what to do here. I'm kind of struggling. Or these thoughts come to my head. Am I crazy? No. This is normal. Oh, okay. What do I do? And everyone, I think, sitting in here, if you've been through enough life, you know there's just certain things you would not want to talk to your mom and dad about, no matter how godly they are. You would just struggle with, what do I say, how do I say it, and are they going to react? And so set some boundaries up, okay? Put people around you that you know that you could tell your kids, go talk to that guy, go talk to that lady, you know? 
She cares about you. She's going to give you great advice. Because if you're a mom or dad and you think, if you honestly think your kids and you will always be best friends, Satan's selling you something. Now, that may happen later on in life, and that's great, but it's not going to happen during the teenage years, okay? It, it just will not, not unless you're coming down to their level, and that's not being a good friend. As a matter of fact, you're not being a good parent. But look at what God does in this story. He allows the younger son to leave. But what is the father doing? He's doing something. And that is he is creating pressure on the young son. Here's what I would say to you. If you're dealing with a prodigal, be very careful that you don't remove the pressure that God places in their life. When did the prodigal come home? Not just when he was a little bit uncomfortable. Now that he's lost all of his money, plus there's a famine, and he realizes, I have nothing to eat. Where did that pressure come from? Who is the sovereign God here in this story, right? What is God doing? He is creating pressure for that young son to go, wait, what am I doing here? You know, there's another point to this that comes along with this that doesn't really have to do with praying, but to help you understand. And it was something that Kevin and I talked about to make sure we were both on the same page. He's like, oh, yeah, I agree totally with you. There's always the question of, wow, if my child or if someone is a prodigal that long, can they lose their salvation? Maybe they were never saved to begin with. What happens there? Here's what I will tell you. You can break fellowship with God, but you can never break relationship with God. How do I know this? Because it doesn't get any worse than the story Jesus told them about what this guy did. I mean, Jesus just lets you reign with what it could be, but tells you enough. Matter of fact, Jesus said the word prostitute. Can you imagine that? Prostitute in church, right? I mean, it's like, whoa, can you say that? Jesus did. He brings it up. He's the one that brings it up. So all these things have happened, but notice what the son, the youngest son says. I'm going to go home, I'm going to give this speech, and I'm going to tell him I just want to be a servant. He is saying, I know I should not be a part of God's family. But what does the father say? Now, this is pretty dramatic. The son has this rehearsed speech. Hey, do you notice that? I know what I will say, right? He's got this great speech. I just want to be a servant is where he's going to end it with. If you look real closely, he only gets two-thirds away through the speech. He never gets to the servant part. And what does the father do? Jesus says, but the father interrupted him and said, get sandals for his feet, ring for his finger. What's that about? That's family identification is exactly what that is. And he says, go kill the fattened calf. We're about to party because my son... Is home. Now, I don't know if your loved one you know, was a follower of Christ and fell away. That's between God and them. But what I do know is God is a loving and he's also a just God. And whatever he says will be fair and we will all see his judgment and go, that is fair and it is honorable. I can't tell you whether they are or aren't. But what I can tell you is, is this. If they've made a profession of faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they believed in him and that though they may have strayed, now take it from Jesus' words... And from his own mouth, what did he say? This guy did every kind of wild living, and he comes home and hears his speech. 
I'm not even worthy to be in the family of God. And what does the father say? I'm not even listening to this. Because how do we get to Jesus and to God anyway? It's because of Jesus shed blood and resurrection. It is not on our goodness. It is on his goodness. And so we can't look at this story or guess who we become. The older brother. Now, I got news for you. Every time I read that parable, I look at that older brother and here's what I think. Yep, I agree with that. I agree with his next line. And I agree with his next line. Did you know I agree with every single thing that he says in there? And you do too. All these years, have I served you? Have you ever prayed that prayer? How come they're getting stuff? I'm not getting stuff. I've been a good person. They got the promotion. I didn't. Older brother. There it is. How come that's happening for them? It's not happening for us. What is that? Older brother. Because when I read his speech, I go, yeah, God, what is up with that? He has labored in the fields. <laughs> he has done, and you even said so that he's done everything. You didn't even do a young goat. He didn't even ask for a fattened calf. You didn't even do a young goat. I kind of side with my older brother here. <laughs> he's got a beef. But look at what God says. Yeah, I know you've always been with me, and everything that I have is yours but your heart's wrong. See, here's the point of this story. So many times we read it as the prodigal son. There's two prodigal sons in the story. It's misstated uh, every single time. There is not one, there is two. One left the house. One was still in the house, but never understood the heart of the father. He didn't get it. One went to a far land. One was still at home, but didn't understand the father's heart. I want to show you some, uh, a picture up here. This is a, a Rembrandt painting. I know some of you are like, wow, I'm getting cultured this morning. Seriously, yes. Um, this is a picture that, uh, uh, a portrait that uh, Rembrandt did. Um, and if you don't know the, what he's depicting here is, this is the younger son in the prodigal son story. Okay, he entitled it that. That's what it is. Do you know who the guy is in the picture? It's Rembrandt. He did a self-portrait. Now, what is, he, what is he communicating there? Here he is. You, you know, you, do you know what scene this is? We'll, we'll just call it a brothel, okay? That's what it is. Now, ladies, you may think you have it bad with whom you might be married to, and sometimes he's not the most sensitive of fellows. But men, learn this one because I think you're better than Rembrandt and reminder of it all the time. That's his wife as the prostitute. I'm like, Rembrandt, how did you live the next day? I mean, are you serious? But that's what he did. And he did this painting early in his life. Now, when you fast forward 30 years, it's two years before he dies, he paints this. This is the picture of the return of the son. What is he saying now? See, Rembrandt was showing the party days, right? Look at me. You wouldn't paint yourself in there if you didn't believe that stuff. That's weird. Weird. But now look at what he does. The father is draped over the son. And if you look very closely at the hands, he paints one hand as a male hand, one hand as a female hand. It's the firmness of the father and the love that only a mother can have, right? That connection between their children. And that's what he has. All the light is coming from the Father's face, all of it. 
and is cast outward. What you see on the sun, if you know anything about Jewish culture, you would never have your head shaved, ever. But what's happened here, this is the young son at his feet, head shaved, father embracing him. Look at the sandals on his feet. One is off, the other one only has two-thirds of a sandal. What is Rembrandt showing here? What he's showing is, and I believe that Rembrandt had something that went off in him at some point and went, I got it. I know what the heart of the father looks like. And that's what Rembrandt was trying to show. The older brother is the one over here on the right-hand side. Back, do you see what he's doing? He's fully up. What is that? I'm not coming near that. He's looking down upon him, but what is the position of the father? The position of the father is come close. Let me tell you something. As you pray for a prodigal, it is so critical that you understand this. You can't pray a prodigal back with the aspect of I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for what they're doing and how they're living their life, and I need them to come home so I'm not embarrassed. That will not fly because you will never get to there. Because that father is not embarrassed, is he? He didn't didn't pray a prayer out of embarrassment. See, let me take you there within the story of what would have happened. Every single day, that father would have wondered, is my son coming home? I guarantee you, when he sat down, and let's just pretend that your table is over here and the chairs are around it and the kids are around, how many chairs you got? And there are some families, and, and I've got one of them that's like this, that if someone sits in his chair, what happens? Turn in my chair. As if you could, you know, it's not like, you know, you got food on one side and you never give them some. You know, everybody's getting the same amount, but they want their chair. I've got one, and he wants his chair. No one else can sit in his chair. That's my place. But you know what? In that story, I guarantee you that father would have told the cook every day, always leave that chair empty. Always have food ready. Always. That father would have walked down that hall, and all those times that he knelt down beside his little boy's bed, and would have prayed over him and prayed over him and done devotionals with him and talked to him about this is who God is and this is what it's about. I guarantee you he never changed one thing in that room. And I'm sure two or three years later, the older brother was like, Dad, get over it. He's not coming back. We all know what he's doing. And they did. Did you notice how the older brother didn't have to be told what his younger brother had been doing? He already knew. Word had gotten back. That's why I tell you, you can't pray out of embarrassment. That's not the goal. And the older brother would walk down that hallway and go, he's not coming back. Don't you know that dad would always walk in there and say, nobody touch anything. Nobody touch a thing because when he comes back, I want him to know I saved it back just the way he left it. I made sure his favorite things were still in there. I never am moving on from this. Because see, if you look at the story, it says that the father was out on the porch watching. Think that was by happenstance? 
He just happened to walk by. No, the heart of the Father is always on the porch. And what I would tell you is this. When you are praying for a prodigal, you got to go to the porch. And you got to pray expectantly. What is God doing? What pressure is he putting into their lives where they will return home? And don't you know that Father went out many days and saw the dust in the distance begin to kick up and think, it might be him, it might be him, and only to be disappointed that as they got closer, it was just one of the servants or someone coming by to visit, and it's not them. That father, that was not just a happenstance moment. That father went to that porch every single day. I don't know about for you, but when people ask me to pray for them for years, it's just hard to remember sometimes, isn't it? And did you, have you had this happen before where that person who poured out their heart to you about whatever was going on in their life or child's life or whatever it may be going on and you said you would pray for them and then you saw them in the hallway and you hadn't prayed? You ever do that emergency prayer thing? Or Jesus be with them in their prayer request. Hey, how are you? Been praying for you. Matter of fact, right over there, I prayed for you. It's what I did. And I realize it's not as though I don't care about them. Just life happens. You get easily distracted. And what I learned and what I would encourage you to do is as you pray for a prodigal or you're praying for a friend or a loved one's prodigal, you hang it on something that will force you to remember. And so a few years ago, I started praying in a way that if someone told me something, I would listen to their story and something within their story would remind me of something tangible that always gets up in my face and I would remember to pray for them. For instance, I have a friend that his son has battled heroin addiction for a long, long time. They have put him through so many treatment centers, loved on that kid. That guy's heart just breaks all the time. And I looked at him and I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Every single time I hear the word birthday... I'm going to pray for your son. I'm going to pray for Reed. I'm going to pray that he returns and that there's a great party. And so that's what I learned to do because I'm not good enough to remember it. And for you, you may need to come up with things as people tell their story. Even after the 9 o'clock service, a man came to me with tears in his eyes, tears coming to his face, and he says, thank you for that reminder. I'm praying for my daughter. This is where she is. He told me a name, and I said, okay. That name reminds me of this. Whenever I hear that, then I'll know to pray for your daughter. You know, we mean well. (laughs) We want to pray. I think our desire is to pray. But I think if we will just latch on to some practical steps, our prayers will be so much better and we won't do that thing of, oh, I forgot. Let me ask you this question. If your prayers were answered over this last week, everything you prayed about over this last week, if, they, if you got a go from God with every single thing you prayed, how would our world be different? Or would it be just your world that's different? See, we need to rally around those who have the prodigals, right? We need to have heartache for them because there's many of them, many of them struggling. Before we move from Cleveland there was a young man living next door, and he had had all kinds of trouble. Um, and he came out one day, and we were talking. It was one of the first times that we've really had a conversation. Came out one day, and I just looked up at him, and I, because I was out um, putting flowers in and stuff like that, and I said, "Hey, man," I said, "What do you think of Jesus?" 
goes, well, I, I like Jesus. I just don't like the church. I said, me either, which surprised him. He knew I was a pastor, and he goes, what did you just say? I said, oh, yeah, most of them I can't stand. He goes, what? I said, oh, Jesus couldn't either. Well, this, now his mind's blown. He's he got questions now, right? This is not the typical response you give. And I said, oh, yeah, they, they drive me crazy too. And he's like, like what? I was like, oh, we just got a lot of uh, rules and lists and everything else that we've sold to people when it was about a relationship with Jesus. He goes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I said, hey, do you read? And he goes, yeah, I read. I said, no, seriously, don't give me the yeah, I read and you don't really read. No, I, I read. Okay, I said, I'm going to go give you a book. It's called Fathered by God, and I want you to start reading it. I want you to see the Father's heart, not a bunch of rules and all that stuff. He goes, oh, man, that'll be great. Next morning, I got up, and for whatever reason, um, I decided I wasn't doing work that day. Now, I was a church planner, so I kind of, you know, did my own schedule. There wasn't anybody calling me saying, why aren't you at the office? Because there wasn't an office. My home was the office. I was like, I'm just not doing it. And I went to Home Depot and got some stuff and came back because I was going to fix the boys' swing set. And about that time, I heard this lady screaming, a terrible scream, and she was running and calling for me. It was the mom. And so I ran up to her. I said, what's going on? She goes, he's in there. He's in there. And I didn't know what she was talking about, like if there was a burglar or whatever was going on. She's like, you've got to bring him back. And I ran in the house, and that young man was gone. He had done some drugs overnight. He was gone. She just kept screaming at me, why can't you bring him back? Why can't you bring him back? Why can't you bring him back? I was like, I'm so sorry, I, I, I can't. I mean, he, he was long gone. No sooner than she was saying that, the ambulance arrived, and when the guys were getting out, I said, hey, guys, he's been gone a long time. They went, and they, they immediately came out. And, man, you talking about a blood-curdling scream from a mom, never forget it. Man, my heart ached for their family. I told her later on, I said, listen, I said, I gave him a book last night. This is what it was. And she goes, oh, yeah, he's a reader. He probably started reading it. I have no idea how far he got. I have no clue. But I learned in watching that moment, man, you just never know what's the last conversation. What's the last one? And I'm grateful, but then there's part of me that goes, man, did I go far enough? Did I, you know, did I, did I tell him enough? Did, you know? You, you, you question how far you were supposed to go and what you were to do. The point is, is this. There are so many strings, so many hurt, and the father's heart hurts, hurts, wants them home. Here's what I can tell you. Hidden in this story is this. There is a younger brother. There is certainly an older brother. But there's something very hidden here. There's also an elder brother. Who is that? You may have read it and go, I didn't see an elder brother in there. Oh, he was in there. He was the one telling you the story. Because Jesus is what? After the resurrection. He's not just our friend. He's our brother. Scripture says so. You know what he was telling us in the story? The younger brother misunderstood the heart of the father. The older brother misunderstood the heart of the father. But is the elder brother 
Let me tell you about the heart of your father. He loves you. He wants you home. No matter what all's happened, he wants you back. He's not interested in your speech. He wants to throw a party for you. And he's not interested in giving you a speech either. Did you notice that in there? God the Father never gave a speech, never gave the set down, hey, here's what you've got to know. He just threw a party for him. See, if we were to model our lives after Jesus and God, Jesus tells us plainly in this parable, this is what you should do. This is how you go about praying for them. This is what God will be doing in their life. When you can't see it, he's putting pressure on for a return. It doesn't mean that if you pray these one, two, three, four kind of things that they're going to return. But what I can tell you is you will experience the true heart of the Father because none of us need to be the younger brother and none of us need to be the older brother. We need to be reflective of the elder brother. Let's pause and pray this morning.